Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the breaking news here. And this is a quite uh, somewhat extraordinary letter that mm-hmm. Premier David Eby has written to Tiff Macklem, the governor yes. of the Bank of Canada, saying, please don't raise interest rates again. Yeah, and very strongly worded letter. He says, disturbingly. disturbingly. That's the word he uses. There's a uh, suggestion that the Bank of Canada is going to raise the rate again. Uh, so this is a very strongly worded letter to uh, Tiff Macklem. The mm-hmm. governor of the Bank of Cameron, but also he wrote a similar letter to the prime minister. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not sure he wants the prime minister necessarily to intervene on this and overrule. That's a different question. But it's very interesting that EB is, um, released this very strongly worded letter saying this would basically harm British Columbians at a time when they can least afford it, any increase. And he's also attached a number of of uh, economists to back him up on this. He's got Andrew Grantham from CIBC, Andy, Andre Pavlov, a professor at SFU, Jim Stanford, who's with the Center for Future Work, um, Petra Antunis, the chief economist of the Conference Board of Canada, an Angus Reid poll that says the majority of people are struggling right now and uncomfortable when it comes to the what's called the economic stress index. And you put all this together and he says, he, throw it all in the mix, and a rate hike is the last thing people need right now. Um, so it's 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 a fascinating letter. Yeah, well, whether it has any impact, because disturbingly, I understand that the bank is seriously considering yet another interest rate hike this September. This serious consideration comes despite cautions against such an approach from all quarters of BC. So it's uh, we'll see if other premiers follow suit. And again, I'm not sure how much impact this has with Tiff Macklin, but it's another. Well, the Bank of Canada is supposed to be independent and set these yeah. rates, you know, without political direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He says, in your role as governor, I urge you to consider the full human impact of rate increases and mm. not further increase rates at this time. And, and if other premiers join this, uh, you know, no, you're not supposed to interfere with the bank. Canada's supposed to be politically independent. But Macklem's also going to be mindful of the political, the real politic realities here. If he's got a whole bunch of premiers saying, don't do this, and then he does it. That creates a serious problem. Well, this is also particularly problematic in British Columbia with some of the highest housing prices in the country and people are mortgaged to the hilt. What GB flags at the end of his letter, he says yeah. this is a particular issue when it comes to housing costs. Even a slight bump oh, yeah. in the interest rate is just, you know, When you've got like a $700,000 mortgage oh, or something. Man, it's big. And it's uh, even a smaller mortgage than that. And it's, particularly when you're literally paycheck to paycheck, as so many yeah. people are, a slight increase in your mortgage payments or your rent because your your landlord has got an increase, um, it becomes very problematic. So we'll see what Macklem does here. Yeah, okay, that's very interesting. We'll watch that one going forward. And the rate hike that could, we're talking next week, is this yeah. seems to be September, looming. which is September 6th. Yep. So that is the date of the scheduled potential rate hike. So we're watching that one very closely for you. Let me ask you about the, um, the situation at Joffrey Lakes Park here. Yeah. And uh, this is interesting because you've got two local First Nations in there who had said that they had, they had decided that they were going to close off public access to this park in their traditional territories. They said they were going in there to do cultural activities like mm-hmm. picking berries and, and stuff. Now, the government trying to work this out with these two First Nations, the park apparently will be open this weekend, but then set to close again, right? What is going on here? Well, what is going on, I think, is the what could be the new reality of what comes with UNDRIP, which is a, you know entrenched recognition of First Nations rights on lands they consider to be their, their traditional territory and ancestral lands. And I, I tell you, w- walking through the government comm shops yesterday, global our global people, um, it was like talking to people walking on eggshells. Nobody wanted to say anything. Nobody wanted to offer anything. Everything was, well, no, you know, very sensitive. 
Uh, there is these protocols that exist with First Nations. So First Nations make the lead here in terms of an announcement. But again, for something of significantly important um, impact to a number of people, neither side was offering has yet to offer much of an explanation on what's going on here. And you see in the response, even all the politicians, everyone's taking a very cautious approach. You yeah. don't want to offend anyone. On the other hand, it's it's an interesting. Does it set a precedent for other communities? Does it? Um, again, it's just. Uh, I don't think you would necessarily have seen this 15 years ago, but I think the reality is with with the, the belated recognition of First Nations rights, you are going to see um, some assert, assertion of those rights. Well, I think the government's probably walking on eggshells for good reason here because they want to make sure this doesn't escalate and, and blow up into a bigger issue, mm-hmm. like a blockade, or if other First Nations decide, well, we're going to shut down the parks in our traditional territories too. You know, this is potential for... Yeah. some. There has to be some diplomacy here to try and hopefully... Work something like this out. out. Yeah. Okay. So there seemed to be a a short term compromise, which is to open the park on the long weekend. Yeah. For for visitors, which is that's encouraging. That's encouraging. But then close it for their cultural, uh, traditional cultural activities, which I think closing it next week is different than closing it this weekend. Right. I mean, but then it gets to the question, like, who's in charge here? Is the provincial government in charge of these parks, or the First Nations in charge? Good question, and that's one that's going to pop up from time to time in the months and years ahead. Let's listen to Peter Millibar here. He's the opposition critic here, the BC United MLA from Kamloops. Here's what he had to say. In our caucus, the BC United have been hearing from from a great many constituents from around this province, wanting to know what does this mean for the parks in their area? What does this mean for the hunting areas in their area? What does this mean? Uh, for fishing and, and things of that nature, all valid questions. Your thoughts? Valid questions, but I'm not yeah. sure what the answer is, and I'm not sure Mr. Millibar knows what the answer is, too. So well, they're not saying, oh, you know, no. we should open this park by force or something. So Millibar is raising some valid questions, yeah. but it's not providing valid answers, because I'm not sure any politician right now has the answer to this. It's a, it's a sensitive yeah. situation, and it, again, goes beyond Joffrey Lake, potentially. And, and Millibar is right. I mean, is, is this set a precedent? Is, are we going to see similar um, moves in, in the months ahead in other places in BC. It's, it's a fascinating situation. And again, because UNDRIP is now entrenched in law and in, in working its way into all sorts of statutes, it, makes a, it strengthens the hand of First Nations, no question. Okay, we're watching that one very closely here. I had Kevin Falcon on the show earlier this morning. The public accounts issued in British Columbia this week, some things jumping out at, at, at the government's critics about the number of uh, the expanding number of uh, civil servants, how much the government is spending on government bureaucracy. There's stories this week about uh, political pay raises for some political staffers in the government, mm-hmm. chiefs of staff or ministers. And so I asked Falcon, okay, so what are you saying? Like, if if you were premier here, you'd be laying people off or cutting people's salaries. What would you be doing? Here's what he told me, and I'll get your thoughts. The bureaucracy has exploded. We've got 64 vice presidents uh, now in our healthcare system. You know, their average salaries are over a quarter million dollars a year high. So if you're asking me, will we be tightening our belts? Absolutely, because this isn't our money. Your thoughts? Well, again, it's still lacking details over just exactly how you tighten. You know, there's more to the civil service than, you know, uh, executives in the healthcare system. You know, are we talking about, I mean, the healthcare, according to the ministry, health ministry, we need to find 38,000 healthcare workers. And these are not executives. And we need nurses. These are we need nurses. doctors. These are doctors. These are technologists. Yeah. These are technicians. A huge amount of uh, retirements. And that's just to keep the status quo. Yeah. So do you start cutting those positions? And again, I, it, it's almost a, a, tr- a political tradition for all oppositions to focus on sort of the top end of things, yeah. the so-called fat. 
Yeah. I mean, Mike Harcourt did that in opposition in the 86 and the sure. NDP. We'll just get rid of the fat and we'll balance the books. Yeah. Uh, the liberals did that in the 90s. We'll just get rid of the fat and we'll balance the books. And once you do that, you know, it's just uh, – and the reality is underneath that fat is a huge – as Falcon says, there is a huge bureaucracy. There's a huge civil service in Canada, but in B.C. and in Canada. But you start cutting those positions – a lot of them are directly lined up with with public uh, public services. People are providing public services in a, in a growing population and, and escalating yeah. demand for services. It's so just, uh, I think, yeah. it, but again, it's a traditional opposition uh, arrow in the quiver, aiming at the bloated bureaucracy and the sort of the top end of things where you've got these high salaries. Yeah. No question. A lot of those executives are doctors who make the money in the healthcare system and not necessarily paid as as super you know executives, but. He's right. The number has increased. I don't think it's increased hugely over the uh, number that was under the United Times in government, but it has increased. Okay. Um, lastly, I know that you've ridden the roller coaster at the PNE many, many times, many times. hundreds of times, as I recall. Yeah. So let's listen to PNE spokesperson Laura Balance here on the on the malfunction on the uh, roller coaster yesterday, and some people actually had to walk off. The roller coaster Which is a turned kind of into cool a cool experience as well. Well, it turned into like a walker coaster yeah. instead of a roller coaster because there was a, a drivetrain issue here. Let's listen. It is a 65-year-old ride, um, and so we do expect that there's sometimes, um, you know, the need to um, evaluate or tweak some of the processes within the ride. That's what happened today. Uh, fortunately, again, the ride did exactly what it's designed to do, and and our staff did a great job of doing what they're trained to do. These things do happen. Right. Okay. So, you know, nobody's injured here. People were, the, the roller coaster sort of stopped moving. People walked off and they walked down a little path there, a little, little track down the roller coaster, which I've well, never again, seen before. This is a unique structure. It's uh, all physics and gravity. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a fascinating uh, piece of work, piece of architecture. I've read, as you say, I spent 10 years at the Peony as a kid working 17 days of fare and riding it every day, several times a day. So 500. Um, at least 500 times, but I have to envy the. I don't know where they got off on the on the coaster. You know, it's it's a goes several. Runs when you see times. the video last night on Global, they were kind of walking down one of the one of the hills. I think yeah. it was the first hill going up, and there's like a little there's like a little path or some steps they've yeah. actually built in there. So when I worked there we, during setup week before yeah. the PNE opens, we're, we're in there. If you work there, you're setting up, you're, you're building the games, you're stocking it with stuffed animals. The rides are getting ready. We used to go to the top of the roller coaster. The, the first big hill, yeah, and eat our lunch up there. Oh, have great view of the harbor, and then walk. And I've actually walked the coaster uh, before the coaster was running during setup week. It's a fascinating ride. It's uh, so those people actually what, got a bit and, of a treat that others never had. And it has a great safety record. Yeah, this this roller coaster, unlike now, what was that one? Uh, the wild mouse. Didn't you say the yeah. wild mouse came off the tracks once? When I was about fifteen. I was running the fool the guesser game yeah. in the middle of the midway and right behind me was the it's either the mad mouse or the wild I think mouse, it was the right? wild mouse yeah and they were just uh, warming up in the morning and the right you know the cars are going around and around and around and one of them came off the track and landed right nobody behind. in it though nobody in it, just a warm oh. up but right behind my game <laughs> big crash right next that to was the a scary week. ride man it very sharp turns yeah it was scary than roller coaster roller coaster sort of was you know it was fun your stomach would leave you sometimes but some of those big drops it was fun it was a lot, it was a lot of the wild mouse is terrifying despite that one little malfunction yesterday laura balance is right this does happen from time aldry's beat let's go right to your phone calls here mark and nanaimo hi mark go ahead Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just want to say the Bank of Canada needs to lighten up a bit because I got a mortgage about 
just over a year ago, my mortgage has increased by thirteen hundred dollars, and to lock oh, in is mm. just—it's just stupid. They're, they're not giving. Nobody's giving anybody breaks anymore. It's all greed, and it's yeah. got to stop. Somewhere. What kind of what kind of impact did that have on you and your your budget? It's it's created. I got basically zero budget now because yeah. we can't afford it anymore. It's, it, we're, we're thinking of selling the house already because oh. it'd be cheaper to rent. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. So, yeah, well, Thanks. there's a lot of people in that dilemma for sure. Um, now, the previous rate hikes were dis- uh, targeted at bringing inflation down. So inflation... And it is, did. It did it come did. down. And it has gone down. It's stabilized. It's gone up a little bit in some items, but down in other items. It was about 3%, I think, last month. Yeah. So I think it's definitely down. So I think the rationale for raising the rates is a lot weaker than it was yeah. when he was raising late. So I'm still going to be surprised if he raises the rate. I yeah. think I think it's uh, either going to remain the same. Outside chance it goes down, but I think... It's, I doubt it will go down. I think it'll stay the same. It'll stay the same, hopefully. Hopefully. No more increases. Yeah. Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. I think it's kind of touched on it there, but maybe uh, can you expand on the explanation a little more? So let's say we don't uh, raise the interest rates. What's the uh, negative consequences that come out of that uh, raise in inflation? Like, how, how does that all work? Well, again, if you if you raise interest rates, you're going to have people spend less money, um, and there's going to be less uh, dollars flowing around the system, and, and there's going to be a sort of a tighter rein on inflation and that seems to have succeeded for by and large not it hasn't you know eliminated inflation you know for years we went along at one or two percent a year and it didn't really affect them when it was hitting five seven eight percent that hits people and that was why there was a, a need for a rate increase not just here but the states as well but now i think increasingly you see politicians of all stripes saying okay enough's enough yeah. we've we've we haven't wrestled inflation to the ground but we seem to have it under control and the negatives far outweigh the benefits. Well, the negatives the are if you if you don't raise rates, you leave it the same, and inflation starts to starts rise again, and then you have to raise rates even higher down the road. Yeah, and a lot of that is that's sort of down the road forecast. Maybe yeah. it doesn't happen. Maybe it does. But for now, the call for, for at least from EB, and I think you can see from other politicians, is at least maintain the status yeah. quo. Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey, morning, guys. Hi. Hey, um... First thing, that wild mouse ride at the P&E, that was awesome. Loved that thing. You get, <laughs> hit those corners in that instant turn. It's just like you were shooting yeah. off the tracks, and all of a it sudden, was. you're heading a different direction. You get a whiplash effect there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, ter- it was terrifying because it was this like this rickety little track, and you you go around these sort of hairpin turns, and it feels yeah. like you were going to fall off, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so on the interest rate thing, I think it's kind of hard for politicians to really start – making comments about it. I don't think they really should. But I don't know that interest rates are, are they're probably at a good spot now. I think we need to stay where we are, maybe slightly above, maybe slightly below. I don't think that going back down to the low, low rates is a good thing. And obviously not going high is, is a good thing either. So it, traditionally, we're in an interest rate level now where we were for a long, long time, you know, before we had an, a bad run in the 80s and stuff. So I think we're right. But the big point I want to make is about the civil service with and the comments this morning about that. Yeah. And the growth of the civil service, I mean, it, it has grown, and maybe it needs to with the population. But the big thing is, is the drop in quality of service. I find that anytime I have to use either federal or public services, that they're just, they're horrible. Okay, and Mike, thank, thank you. Thank you for the call. You got 20, 20 seconds here. Yeah, so uh, in terms of the interest rate hike, I think... What's different now than what was before is that the overall, the totality 
of the economic distress that people feel in their daily lives is much higher than it was a few years ago. So even a, a little bump in that cost of living has way more damaging implications than it did five or ten years ago. Keith, thanks a lot. All right. Talk All right, to that you was Tuesday. Keith.